0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Jesus spoke to the crowd, saying, To what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. Maybe seat. Some of you know that a little over a month ago, Nova and I finally took our long planned fiftieth anniversary Viking River cruise after having it postponed for three times because of the pandemic. We did the two-week grand European tour from Budapest to Amsterdam, and grand it was indeed. We had, a great, we had great weather for the entire trip. We could not have been more impressed with Viking as a provider. At each stop, we had at least one excursion which, included, which was included in the price of the trip. and The majority of the 180 people on the boat participated in all of these included uh, excursions which is why we were extremely impressed with the organization that had to occur to pull these excursions off. Every night after dinner, the ship's program director would review the next day's activities with us in the lounge, and while we were at dinner then, instructions for the next day were placed on our beds, which listed our group assignments for the next day. So it was almost impossible uh, to have Anything go wrong, right? We had almost 180 people on the boat. So we were usually divided up into smaller groups of 20 to 30 people with a separate guide for each group. We were instructed very clearly on the number of the group that we were assigned to. And when we left our boat the next morning, our group guides would be standing there on the shore, holding up big signs with our assigned group numbers printed on them wonderful organization. It should work splendidly, right? Wrong. People would invariably get in the wrong group, and sometimes they'd wander off and they'd not stay in the group. One day, one of our guides, I think he was a native to Germany, said, it's just like herding cats. Now, I had always thought that that phrase was unique to those of us who live in the Midwest, but I guess it's universal. And I wonder if Jesus didn't use it as well. In fact, I can imagine him using it in the context of our Gospel lesson this morning. He likened the folks that both he and John the Baptist were trying to reach with the message of God's kingdom to a bunch of street urchins sitting in the marketplace and refusing to play each other's games. One group of children wants to play wedding, can't get the others to dance when the tunes were piped. The other group wants to play funeral, but can't get the others to mourn with them. Jesus then goes on to say that people are saying that John, who had a rather weird lifestyle, we know that, right? John must have had a demon, whereas when I, Jesus, have dinner with tax collectors and prostitutes, you call me a glutton and a drunkard. You can readily hurl insults, Jesus says, but hardly any of you are getting the message. And that's darn frustrating. Maybe just like herding cats. Well, thankfully, Jesus goes on to clarify the good news of his teaching. The people who are hurling the insults seem to find fault with both Jesus and John as an excuse for not not taking in the good news, for ignoring the good news, in fact. God's revelation, Jesus says, comes instead to the infants, in other words, to the simple-minded whose vulnerability and humility make it possible for them both to see and to respond to God's presence and power. Wisdom is vindicated by her deeds, Jesus says. Jesus' own deeds, which he describes in the verses that just precede our text today, give evidence that he embodies and reveals the wisdom of God, that he's the one who is to come, the one who ushers in God's kingdom and the one who they should listen to and follow. In Matthew 11, verse 4, just just preceding our text, he answers those who are asking if he is the Messiah, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Can't you see he says that those deeds are evidence of God at work? Furthermore, could it be Jesus is asking that even when I'm at play, so to speak, eating and drinking with tax collectors and prostitutes, that God is at work? That's a very important thing to keep in mind, I think, when we go about doing the similar work that God has called us to do. We too are most likely to experience Jesus' presence and power in the company of the humble and the vulnerable, the people who are usually found at the margins of our congregations. They're most likely the people who are not sure whether or not they fit in. They may be the people whose lives challenge the ideals that we so often think that we live by, people who sometimes and maybe often have insults hurled at them, because of their lifestyle, but go to them we must because that's surely an important part of Jesus' call to follow him. Jesus then goes on in our text to offer an invitation to all of us, to the vulnerable and the simple-minded and the infants in the faith. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I don't know about you, but to me the word yoke implies work. The word comes from the language of the farm. It refers to a wooden frame that fit around the necks of two animals usually joined two oxen or cows together in pulling a load. The yoke consisted of one cross piece with uh, two hoops that fit around the necks of the animals to distribute the burden between the two animals. And what it did was to concentrate the pull of the load where the whole strength of the animals could be put into it. My grandpa, when I was little, once talked about how they would break in a new plow horse in the days before they had tractors. They would harness a young, inexperienced horse with an older, conditioned one. And the old horse would have to do most of the pulling at first. But soon the steadiness of the old horse would be contagious and then the young horse would begin to pull its share of the load. Well, I think what Jesus was saying here is something like Move over if you find yourself pulling a heavy load, whether that's in your ministry or in your daily life, and I'll add my strength to yours. I'll step into the tugs and pull with you. You see, there's an easier yoke and a more difficult one. Jesus is telling us that his yoke is easier because he's there pulling with us. More than once I've seen people choose the yoke of Jesus and thus the more spiritually satisfying way in the counseling process. A few years ago a message popped up on my computer screen telling me that I had an email from an old grade school friend of mine. Now I was in this friend's wedding and after we both were married, even though we would correspond occasionally, we kind of lost track of what was going on in each other's life. This was something like a three-page single-space letter explaining a personal crisis that my friend was going through, a particularly difficult decision that he was facing that would impact his future life. And I shot him a brief message back suggesting that it might be easier if we talked on the phone rather than trying to communicate by email. And not long after that, Not not many minutes after that, the phone rang and we talked for almost three hours that night. This friend is a friend with a solid faith background. We talked a good deal about his faith and the impact that it could have on the decision that he had to make. And At the end of the conversation he said something like, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to listen to me today. First of all, in reading and responding to my laying my soul bare before you in an email, but also in listening and talking to me on the phone conversation tonight, I feel like a burden has been lifted from my shoulders. Now, I didn't really offer him any solution to his problem, but I believe the burden was lifted because he was finally able to share it with someone else, and he no longer had to bear it alone. And remember, too, that I said that my friend had a solid faith background. So you see, it wasn't because of me that his burden was lifted. What he was able to see through his conversation with me is the fact that faith, his faith in God could make his burden lighter. Just opening up and talking about his difficulty and his faith with me on the phone helped him to understand that Jesus was on the other side of the yoke. There was still a yoke, but now he could see that someone was sharing the load and pulling with him. I was only the channel for the good news. My friend began to experience that inner peace in the realization that his problem wasn't too big to overcome because he didn't have to solve it alone. The great theologian Soren Kierkegaard once wrote that the yoke of Jesus can be light if it's the most important thing that we own. It's light not because of its weight, but because it gives access to one stronger than ourselves. And, of course, that one is Jesus, who's sharing the load, whether it's in our daily lives, or in our ministry as God's people. Whatever burden we're facing, be it a health issue, a relationship issue, an economic issue, or whatever. There's a legend that says that birds at first had no wings, and that they rebelled when wings were placed on them because they seemed to be a burden on their backs. However, almost by accident, they one day discovered that their burdens could lift them to the sky and open vistas that they never dreamed of before. As God's people, you know as well as I do that we're not spared the burdens of life, the problems of life. We're going to experience things like cancer, economic hardship, the death of a loved one, and even like Jesus, the insults that sometimes come when we're doing the work that Jesus has called us to do. But when we answer Jesus' call to come to him and allow him the opportunity to share that yoke with us, we're also going to be lifted to the sky as he opens new vistas of growth and joy in our life in him. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Take my yoke upon you, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. Jesus guarantees it. Amen.